Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. The Magic concluded the preseason 4-1. and one. I don't care about the record. I'm just happy to not go winless and to show some pretty good signs of plays there, especially in the last few games. Now the regular season is here. It starts Wednesday in Detroit. Unfortunately, we had to waive Devin Kennedy to cut our roster down to 15 NBA contracts and two two-way contracts. Jalen Suggs hurt his knee about a week and a half ago, but he's already back and active and ready to go for the opener against the Pistons. Also, it seems like a few other injured players are not too far from returns as well. We're making our season predictions. Let's go. Hardaway, straight down the lane, the power jab. Point guard on the 7-6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! Here's Turkaloo for the win. All right, we are recording Monday, October 17th. As of now, the Magic haven't announced which rookie contract options they're picking up. My assumption is all of them will. Uh, The NBA season starts tomorrow, Tuesday, but the Magic season starts the next day, Wednesday, uh, in Detroit. Uh, Penny, real quick, do you think uh, we're going to get any weird surprises with the rookie contract options? Or you know, I I don't, I don't know if anyone's going to get extended. I, I doubt that, but. Um, I mean, rookie contract options include guys like Chuma and Hampton, and I didn't come up with the full list, but uh, any weird surprises you would expect? Not anticipating any, and obviously with the way the salaries and salary cap is now, it's just good business to pretty much uh, pick up every option that you can regardless. Okay, so before we get into predictions and preseason and other stuff, uh, I want to announce a giveaway. I hold here in my hand this uh, Franz Wagner, uh, the next Wunderkind booklet, or Wunderkind if you don't speak German, but uh, from Germany's Basket Magazine. Um, I had I, I bought two. One of them shipped immediately. The other one I had to wait till I got back from my my Europe trip, basically, for it to come in. But uh, you know they shipped them both, so I'm keeping one, and the other one's going to be for this giveaway. But um, this is some rare and potentially phenomenal memorabilia that few magic fans on earth will own. Um, Even if you don't understand German, it's 90 plus pages of like really nice photos and posters of guys like, of course, Franz Wagner, Dirk Nowitzki. There's other NBA stuff in here. Um, There's even like a Bill Russell poster. That's actually pretty nice uh, since Bill Russell passed away. Um, So there's some actually really good stuff in this. Uh, Everyone is eligible to win this giveaway except you and i penny uh because i already i already offered you to to, to get another one and you don't want it so that's fine um it it doesn't matter where in the world the winner lives you know we'll we'll get it to you we've sent stuff as far as australia so far um and i think the only way we could go further is we did like antarctica i don't know but um (laughs) limit is uh one entry per person uh so here's how I want folks to submit their entry. Um, I want you to take a screenshot of you playing this podcast episode on your smartphone device or any type of listening device for that matter. 
Uh, it doesn't matter what minute of the pod you're on. You know, take your screenshot and tweet it at me at Papa Giorgio MBO. Um, if I like your tweet, you're entered. Uh, I'll also accept submissions via Instagram or Facebook Messenger if you follow me there. Um, but I don't want to see a situation where like some you know folks are submitting screenshots and then like this one person will grab somebody else's screenshot and make it their own submission. That's not how that works. I will very easily figure out that that's not your screenshot. Um, you have until this Friday, uh, 6 a.m. Eastern time to shoot me a tweet or you know shoot me your, uh, your submission with that screenshot. Um, most people can just probably just reply to the tweets that I'll send out in relation to the giveaway. But, um, you know, then I'll do a random and then I'll do kind of a, a randomized draw to pick a winner. And then I'll contact the winner and, uh, you know, get their shipping address and go from there. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a little giveaway going into the season. It's not a autographed jersey, but uh, this is actually something that is pretty rare. But any pretty thoughts cool. on any thoughts on the uh, on the magazine, Penny? I know I, sh- you know, th- we saw this just before Eurobasket started. Pretty much. This was like a, this is their August edition, pretty much. And uh, or actually, this is their September, October edition. So um, but I yeah. think really what you're doing is you're turning into a personal rally dot com. You're giving every magic fan and listener of the podcast an opportunity to get in on the ground floor with some hot uh frowns and memorabilia before his uh skyrocket season right yeah it's i mean it just literally this magazine is worth it just for the cover alone because it's it's Franz. they have james harden who looks like he's in like he's been drawn <laughs> by like uh by like one of those crime uh crime drawer drawers of guys that are criminals that they're trying to hunt down but uh with bronze on the cover it's got dirk Nowitzki and detlef shrimp on there and you know in big bold letters at the bottom says the next wonder kid question mark so um that's a, that's an awesome cover and kid's good he could be really freaking good but all right let's get into some preseason stuff uh so the magic went four and one in the preseason i'm not going to go over each game i let the other pods do that there were ugly moments. There were awesome moments. We rested guys. Our opponents rested guys. We played around with different lineups, and that's all good. Um, Magic fans showed up those last two preseason home games, and you know they were rewarded for it. Um, they got two pretty good games, especially that Grizzlies game in particular. That was just genuinely fun to watch. Um, but they didn't count, and these games coming up do count. Um, I don't know how many preseason games you got to watch, Penny. I don't know if you, you know, I, I watched and streamed the all the road games. And then obviously the two home games were on Bally Sports. But I mean, just initial thoughts, like, did you, you know, it felt like we got better each game. That's kind of what you want from this type of situation. Yeah. Uh, again, we're, you know, you're not putting a lot of stock into uh, outcomes of the games and the actual record, although four and one is nice to look at. Um but yeah, the, the biggest thing is progression. I think the coaching staff has talked about it and uh, both individual and team progression um, and certainly seemed to end on a high note with the last couple of home games for everybody that got into action. So unfortunately, with the end of preseason, that means somebody had to get waived or traded. And in this case, Devin Kennedy got waived on Saturday morning, which made sense. Um he didn't really play meaningful preseason minutes. Uh, you know, when he'd get in, he'd be kind of with the third string guys, you know, and I won't go over the exhibit 10 guys who got waived 
who will end up in Lakeland. Um, but Devin, he had the cheapest contract to cut ties from. Uh, he's our, even though he's our best three point shooter, you know, he can't really play point guard and he's not much of a defender. I mean, he, you know, he is specifically a shooter and it sucks, but with, you know, no trade that, you know, there wasn't anyone else to cut over him. Um, you know, that moment in the last minute of the Cavs win that we had where Mosley walks up to him on the floor and kind of side hugs and kind of taps his head with his head. Um, you know, that was that was a pretty cool scene. It's just kind of two nice guys sharing a moment. And, you know, Kennedy, he's 26 years old. You know, does Devin go back to Lakeland? It doesn't look like it, especially with that YouTube farewell video he just dropped. I think if not today, it was late yesterday, but um you know, is another NBA team going to scoop him up for his shooting? I know most likely not, but this could be like a Seth Curry situation. You know, uh, he's older than when Seth Curry was with the Lakeland or with the uh, Erie Bayhawks when the, they were the Magic's affiliate. But, um, you know, the other one is, does Devin have any interest in Europe? I mean, there's some really high caliber basketball leagues and basketball teams that could definitely use a guy like Devin and he might be able to develop some of his weaknesses there. Um, and then he's got that run your own race pod as well. That hopefully succeeds. You know, I've listened to an episode or two, like I, especially the magic centric one with uh, Caleb Houston. That was really good. Um, you know, obviously that guy's going to be playing basketball somewhere. He's, he's not ready to be a full-time podcast caster yet. He's, he's too good of a shooter to, to not be balling somewhere. Um, you know, would I rather have Devin on a two-way contract than say Admiral Schofield? Yes, but I don't think that's something that Devin would have wanted. Um, Penny, kind of what's your thoughts on Devin and kind of what I just said? Yeah, uh, well, you know, I think we both kind of called it, not that that was anything out of the norm. I think it was pretty expected based on the way the roster was coming together that he would be the casualty, which again is unfortunate based on the person and the story. Um, but basketball wise, it, it seems to make sense. Uh, to your point, the, the heartfelt video posted by him seems to point that a return to Lakeland is not in the cards. Um, and my assumption would be after, you know, you're, the, the reason that you're taking less money to play in the G League is, uh, you know, that you're here and available for a call up and then, you know, hopefully turning a call up into uh, guaranteed money. So uh, at this point, seems like the, the route would be to go to Europe and cash in uh, on a more lucrative offer um, and see what happens maybe next summer leading into uh, somebody else's training camp next year, right? Yeah, there's no reason why he can't make over a mill if he goes over to like a good Europe team. He could probably make more going elsewhere to a not so good team, but he could easily make a mill um, going overseas. So I really hope he does that. Um, yeah, it's weird because, uh, you know, going back to our previous pod, like he was one of the obvious candidates. But I mean, Bull Bull was up there. Um, I I still thought Terrence Ross was going to get traded. I mean, he still might, but um is, yeah. What's the what's the shittiness level of making uh, Devin do the radio hit during the draft to then cut him right before the season starts? It's a little scummy. I'm not going to lie, because like oh, and look, it, it, he could have volunteered for all I know. You know, he could have not. He you know, maybe he was voluntold to be there. But uh, the guy, he's he's going to be a really good podcaster when he's done playing basketball. I just don't want him to focus that full time now because he's too good of a basketball player right now to 
to do that. Go make your money. Um, he's very good on the mic. I mean, you know, the guy's very smart man went to Princeton, you know, he's, he's a brilliant dude. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's it. I think it's going to age well, just because if Paolo Bencaro pans out, like we think he's going to pan out, then we're going to be hearing those Devin Kennedy audio clips often. I think, um, not all of it because they're going to have to splice stuff because they're going to have to splice out the stuff where they're talking about being teammates. But um, it's it's a little crummy, but, it, you know, it, it's fine. Um, the guy really, really tried to sell himself to Orlando, which is smart when you're trying when you're very kind of smart. on the verge and trying to make it. And but seemed authentic, right? No, no, very authentic. Yeah. yeah, like it's very easy to, to see who's kind of faking it and who's not. And that, that guy genuinely liked being in Orlando and he really liked being in this community. And, you know, he's, he's still got love for the magic. Um, even though his, his time has ended for now, um, you know, it's, it sucks, but you know, we'll see, there could be better things ahead. So, um, I'm only going to bring up this next one just briefly, but Jordan Poole got $140 million uh, Warriors extension. So he's off the board now for some Magic fans that wanted to to go and sign him as a free agent next summer. Um, you know, this summer we missed out on Anthony Simons, who got $100 million to stay in Portland, and Donovan Mitchell, uh, who got dealt to Cleveland from Utah. So I don't see good or great plausible uh, acquisition options next summer for a stud shooting guard. Um, I wouldn't have go, wanted to go after pool anyway, not at that figure. Like, I mean, th- he's good. I get that. Also, apparently he can, he can take a punch. Cause you know, when Draymond Draymond got him good on that punch and for him to not even have any bruising and for him to play like that next preseason game or whatever it was and play well, like that's, that's a good, that's good recovery skills. That's all I'll say on that. But, um, you know, I, I don't know who, what the magic are going to do next summer. And they're going to be one of the top five teams when it comes to cap space. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on that. I don't know if you had a pool thought or if you want to go to the next thing. Yeah. Well, just a, you know, basically when you're going to commit that amount of salary, it's either going to be for uh, an established product or a rising talent. Uh, I think Jordan pool obviously classifies as a rising talent, but to me, uh, I certainly, and it's not even money, right? Cause the, the salaries keep escalating every year, but just the percentage of, of cap space to commit to him. I, you know, may, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe we're not seeing, uh, something clearly, but I, to me, that's not a guy that I would commit that amount of money to. Um, so just kind of, you know, it is what it is. He's not available, but if he was available, um, don't, I, to me, it wouldn't be the, the route that I would want the magic to have taken. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so again, we're recording this Monday, yesterday, Sunday, uh, Jalen Suggs was announced as cleared and active to, and ready <laughs> to go for the Detroit opener on Wednesday. So, um, you know, he got hurt between this podcast and the last podcast, but basically he took a bullshit shoved in the back from Spencer Dinwiddie in Dallas. And that caused Suggs to plant his leg wrong. Suggs, he got that left knee kind of MRI image. I think it, it was probably in Orlando um, or as soon as they got back from the Mavericks game. But that happened a week and a half ago. Um, you know, he got those x-rays in Dallas immediately during that Mavericks game in Dallas. And, you know, those were negative. So, you know, but when that MRI came out, you know, when, when I was waiting for that MRI uh, results to come out, like I, 
I was expecting like a tear and he'd be out a while, but you know, Adrian Wojnarowski had reported that Sugg sustained a left knee capsule sprain and bone bruise. Knowing that, and then reading around what I could read, what other athletes suffered, I thought he'd be out four to six weeks based on at like at, at minimum, like he didn't tear anything, but he still could have been out like a few months, depending on the severity of it. But you know, within a few days, he was out on the practice floor, like shooting, and then he's practicing basically. And, you know, Sunday he gets announced as he's good to go. So, um, it's just really fast to me. It's super fast and rapid to me. And I just, I better not see Suggs limping around on the court. Like he did the last four months of last season. Cause that was just maddening. And then clearly the guy was hurt last season because the summer ankle surgery confirmed it. So, you know, Suggs, I think also said, earlier today, Monday, that, you know, this is a type of injury he had suffered before and he had dealt with it. He knew how to de- you know, to deal with it and rehab from it, but we're so careful with everybody else. And to see Suggs come back so quick. Now this will be basically his second time. He's coming back quick, quick, you know, pretty quickly that I don't know if he's doing if he's doing it because he knows he's not playing well as a ma- member of the magic and he's rushing things or if it's general genuinely like he's fine, but you know, they already screwed it up last season and I'm, I'm a little surprised that no, you know, not more folks are pointing that out that clearly he came, you know, he came back from having the broken hand from Embiid, which that's, you know, that's a fluke thing. Like Embiid's just a gigantic guy. If he does that to anybody, he's going to break bones. But um, for him to then deal with all that limping and then to find out he actually had an ankle injury, um, like, dude, I know you're tough, but you're hurting the team being out there when you're fighting through stuff and you can't shoot. That's the other thing is even before all before the injury in Dallas and preseason, he wasn't shooting well. So um, I don't know, Penny, uh, tell me, you know, give me your Suggs thoughts. Do you think he's going to start opening night? I don't think he's going to start opening night. I can't imagine. Um, yeah, I mean. Do you think he's coming back quick or am I just over o- overthinking it or over? overreacting to this um i I, again we're comparing him through the lens of every other magic player on the roster right so uh certainly seems quick in that regard um and then you know maybe they chalk it up to the football background i don't know yeah and then we're also seeing you know isaac fultz gary harris they're doing a lot of on-court work as well and they could all be close to returns so you know, all those three guys won't be available opening night, but it even Isaac, it seems like they're close. Um, so we're going to see on that. Uh, all right. Give me with preseason. Like I said, we're not going to go through each game. Um, I do want to go over kind of what impressed us, what didn't impress us. Uh, Penny, with what you were impressed with, um, I'm going to just open the floor with the Bull Bull show because <laughs> Bull played his way onto the team in my, in my eyes, like he easily could have played himself off the team. And after like a, the first two or three games, I thought he was going to get waived. And then the last two, two and a half games, he showed that he's, you know, he, he belongs on this team and he's got quite the, it's not just potential now. Like he's, he went out there, he showed a lot of consistency with how he was playing on both ends of the court. He's still a little shoot, you know, shooting shy. Like, yeah, I'd like to see him shoot the ball a bit more when he's open, but like 
defensively, like he's making blocks, like he's he's making some plays. I don't know what's what's your thought on the bowl bowl experience. Um, I again, I'm surprised that we're having the bowl bowl experience, but <laughs> it does seem like there's going to be some rotational minutes uh, up for grabs that he can certainly claim. Um, and it is, you can see when, you know, when he's manning the paint or when he's in the area, he's certainly a deterrent, uh, you know, for opposing guards and even <laughs> opposing bigs that, that, you know, get the ball in and around the paint and then have to second guess things. It's, um, you know, some of the lineups we had out there with just uh, incredibly, you know, plus length at every position um you can see the the dream being realized of our front office and basketball operations staff yeah really no this is uh <laughs> this is the uh, weltham project and they're uh they got to be enjoying it right now um well here's so i think he really could be in the rotation now because with isaac still out um you know there's there's potentially an opening there because Chuma didn't shoot it well. And we'll get to guys that didn't, you know, didn't impress us yeah. or issues and stuff we had, but I, just talking about bull bull being in the rotation, like, you know, Moritz Wagner didn't play a lot, but I mean, I, I like Mo a lot. I think Mo should be the backup center, but um, you know, I think I would maybe play bowl over guys like Chuma or even, uh, or, or even Mo Bamba. Like I could see bull bull being like the backup power forward right now. But I mean, what, what's your, what's your view on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that you're probably going to see him at play, you know, again, everything positionless now, right? But I, yeah. I think the bulk of the minutes would be probably at the four, um, maybe three, four, I doubt five, seriously. And we have so much depth there anyway. So uh, certainly with the way some people perform during preseason, the door's wide open for a bowl bowl and he's ready to, uh, appears to be ready to saunter through it. I, I know who else you're going to talk about uh, in terms of preseason uh, people that exceeded uh, expectation or impressed. So I'll take, I'm going to take, what about Caleb Houston? What do you think about his, his preseason performance? Uh, that kid's good. Uh, I mean, look, he's, he shot and defended well, like he, he might get in this rotation because especially if Chuma can't hit 35% on threes, like, if Caleb's defending as well as he is and, and knocking shots like he was in preseason, like he's going to get in the rotation. He's going to be the backup small forward instead of Chuma. Like that's, that's how I view it right now. Um, the, and the shooting was great, right. And a small sample size, but I think even more important than that was um, the confidence to have a quick trigger, right. And not just like, you know, continuing to shoot because you're making it, but just, you know, off the bat, uh, ready to catch and shoot and again doing the other things the uh, ball movement player movement and active hands defensively it's uh, for a coach it's really hard not to put a guy like that on the floor right away yeah I mean this guy was you know our second round pick and he's out there looking like kind of a Franz Wagner light right now at the moment like and I, I was mad about him not playing point guard in summer league because i wanted to see what his handles were like because he he played a he handled the ball a lot for uh the canada youth national team and fiba play so and maybe we'll see that in you know months to come i don't know but um i mean he's another michigan guy working out right now and he might have the best most purest shot on the team like he you know he that that guy gets that shot off quick 
And it's very consistent how it comes out every single time. It is really impressive. And he's going to be one of our best shooters this season. Like, I don't know how many minutes he's going to get or how many shot attempts he's going to get. But like I said, if Chuma's going to be on a short leash and because, I mean, if you got a guy like Caleb right behind him, you know, and he's practicing well and whatnot, and he, he hit some clutch shots in that Memphis win. Um, so it's not just kind of meaningless shooting. You know, like he's, he's really coming up big. So um, you want to come up with a next guy to talk about? I, I know who you're going to talk about next. So I'll let you, I'll let you get up on the soapbox. Um, well, maybe you don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. I'm going to talk Paolo Bencaro. Was that oh, okay. All right. okay? No, no. All right. Fair yeah. enough. All right. So Paolo Bencaro to be kind of just shortened to the point with it. He improved every game. Like he, you know, it started rough the first game or two, but I mean, he put up 17, 19 point games. He didn't, you know, he didn't drop a 20 plus point game. Like I wanted him to, but he's going to get more touches and he's going to get to the free throw line. Like he's going to be a good offensive initiator. Um, Van Caro, he just got his Jordan brand deal officially announced with that hype video uh, today. So that's, that's cool for him. I've never owned a pair of Jordans. If there's a good magic colorway pair for, for those Jordans uh, that he's going to be wearing, I might have to think about getting a pair, but um, yeah, this, this kid's good. He's freaking good. Like there's, especially in, um, I guess both the Memphis and the Cleveland game, like he was whipping out moves that I had not seen him whip out before where he's, he's just able to create for himself constantly. Like it's, it's like prime Carmelo Anthony meets, I don't know, somebody more fluid. Like it's almost, he was doing like Steph Curry dribbles at one point trying to, you know, just getting himself open and getting jump shots off. Like, and he's doing this at six, 11, 250 plus pounds. It's, it's kind of crazy. Like this guy's going to be amazing. Um, like when, when you're able to, to post defend Robin Lopez without much difficulty and Rolo's like seven foot two seventy, like that's kind of crazy. Uh, and you know, we talk about position is basketball. Like he's easily going to pl- be able to play, you know, three through five, um, without much difficulty and this kid's really freaking good and yeah i mean i i can't wait for him to 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 go crazy in in, in a game like there's going to be a game maybe sooner than later where he's going to drop 30 and then it's like okay let's do this um and hopefully he plays really well opening night because you know that detroit game's going to be hyping up the number one picks you know him versus kate cunningham and we'll go from there but what are your palo thoughts yeah um i mean i everything that you touched on uh but i think some of the most positive signs or most impressive things have been um you know i think consistently you're going to see he'll probably get uh you know five or six free throws a game at least which is you know obviously something that our our team has struggled with for basically what a decade plus now um since the departure of dwight getting finding a way to get those easy points on the line um, and then the other thing is just everything looks um, natural and low effort. Obviously, he's he's putting forth a lot of effort and trying hard, but um, I, I think that's the the biggest win is that um, everything out there just looks fluid and effortless. Um, looks like we have a looks like we have a star on our hands here, um, and really excited to see the progression throughout the season. Yeah, he's. 
he's got some McGrady in him where like he's he's doing all this stuff and he really is making it look easy, which is impressive considering he's got that sweat problem. And I mean, the the training staff's handling that pretty well so far from what I've seen. I don't know. I mean, he hasn't had to play like a lot of minutes yet, but um, he, it looks like he he's playing with ease out there, which is awesome. Um, and then Chris, when I had one more Paolo thought, yeah, no, the free throw thing is going to be huge. Cause I mean, like you said, like since Dwight left, we've been, I mean, we shoot the, the free, you know, we shoot free throws. Well, we're towards the top of the league in free throw percentage, but we're, we've been bottom in free throw attempts, which is what matters in the end is to actually get the free throw line. So, um, he's going to get to the, to the free throw line at like Corey McGetty type levels. And I'm excited for that. So, um, all right, I'm gonna ha- be. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna. This isn't a victory lap, but I'm gonna be happy to announce that R.J. Hampton had an, a really big preseason for himself. Um, you know, the game seems to be slowing down for him. I mean, he's played like a hundred NBA regular season games in his career. That's usually when it slows down for you. But compared from where he was in summer league to even now in preseason, I mean, he's still knocking down shots consistently. Uh, but I mean, he's playing point guard way more than I want him to, but now he has to play point guard a lot more because, you know, Fultz is out and Suggs is back, but I'd rather have Hampton play point guard than, than Suggs. And, you know, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I mean, RJ is going to be the backup point guard out of necessity, especially now that can't, you know, Devin got cut. Um, not that Kennedy was a great point guard to begin with, but, um, you know, he, RJ is going to have the ball in his hands, but as long as he plays kind of calm and collected, like he, he was for the majority of preseason, like he's, he's progressing awesomely. And also on defense, I mean, he had some huge blocks in that Memphis game. Like he won the game on his blocks. Like it, there, there was some, like he had like this one absurd chase down block that like, uh, it, it's great, man. He's, he's the fastest guy on the team. He's super athletic. I still think he's taller than his listed six six, um, but it, he's figuring it out, and he's going to be in the rotation. And I was worried. And he, other than Bol Bol, like he had the most to gain or lose, basically, where he could have played himself potentially off the team. Not that it was likely to happen, but I mean, if he was terrible, like he was in, you know, in summer league, like it wouldn't, it wasn't going to look good for him. He's going to be out of the rotation at least, but. Now, I mean, going through the first three games of preseason, like he was our best player the first three games of preseason, and he still played well overall in the two home games. So um, what's your RJ thoughts? Uh, obviously, I still think he should be like a shooting guard or even a small forward, but I he's going to be fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you take the victory lap there. <laughs> um, he certainly uh, needed to play well and did play well. Again, to your point, the, the biggest thing is uh, utilizing the elite athleticism in a way uh, that, you know, makes makes everything advantageous and not just uh, flying around out there. So it looked like uh, a lot better job of, you know, doing impactful things and, and uh, you know, taking advantage of his God-given ability to make positive contribution out there um, instead of just running up and down. I, I'm. It seems again like there's a lot of effort to to give him ball handling responsibility. I think there's too many other players on the roster that uh, the the ceiling is higher when they're the ones creating. So I, I agree that 
you know, he really should slot in at the at a two guard or or you know wing and not so much facilitator and creator where he has the ball as much. Um, but certainly uh played himself, I think, for sure into the rotation with uh with the preseason performance. All right, let's talk Mo Wagner, because uh he he rolled his ankle in the last preseason game, I believe. So I don't know how bad it was. Hopefully it wasn't as bad as the one he, he did in Germany because that was, uh, you know, that was devastating for him because he couldn't play in Eurobasket. But, um, you know, even when Mo Wagner was playing, like he remains efficient with the minutes he receives. And I think he should be the backup center over Mo Bamba. That's, that's where I'm at with him. But it, with the minutes he was getting, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, but, you know, at least initially, but if, if Bamba shows inconsistencies, like I can, if we're truly not tanking or we're trying to actually play well, um, I think more should be starting at backup center. What are your Mo Wagner thoughts? Um, take it or leave it. I, but, but on, on that, in that same vein, there's too many good players on the roster in the front court. Now, I think, uh, you know, speaking primarily about Paolo and Franz that, would you agree that there's really zero reason to play Mo Bamba and Wendell together in the front court for oh, any stretch of time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Wendell Carter Jr. is going to be the the guy I was going to talk about next because his three ball, his, his three pointer looks even better than it did last season. It was already pretty good, and he's just amazing. He's awesome. He's going to be a double double machine, and. Look, so I that, think that negatively impacts uh, Mo Wagner, right? Because now you're 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 only going to play at the five, and Bamba only going to play at the five. Again, no yeah. reason to slide Wendell down to the four, or vice versa. Just based on uh, you know all of last year, we made it work while while tanking, so it worked to perfection. Um, but but at this point, I think that that just squeezes everybody's uh, available playing opportunity. Um, you, I think you and I are on the same page as it, as it relates to Bamba. Um, so it almost seems like Bamba and Wagner, um, it's kind of interchangeable. And if that's the case, then, you know, there's a, there's a pretty wide salary discrepancy there to get the same level of production. Yeah. Look, the, the reason why I think Ross and, and Bamba are going to get a good amount of minutes out of the gate is to get their trade value up. Uh, and that's, that's where I'm at. Cause Look, Bamba's essentially got is, is an expiring contract this season. Like, I know he's got that that option, uh, that team team option. I think, yeah. So, I mean, he's basically on a one year deal, just like Ross is at the moment. But, like you said, there's a huge salary discrepancy of basically like almost ten million between Bamba and, and Mo Wagner. So, um, and if that's a situation, like you know what you got to do, especially if supposedly next summer is when you're going to really go after somebody huge via, you know, via either free agency or most likely through trade. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no reason to play Bombo and Wendell together. Um, I know there's some manipulation of advanced analytics that show that, that that Wendell Mo Bamba front court worked well, but there's other numbers that show that other lineups worked better or, you know, or just as good without Bomba on the floor. So um that's where I'm at with that. So let's talk about Moritz's brother, Franz. So Franz Wagner got a lot of rests because he played Eurobasket, which is fine and normal. 
Um, but when he played, he just elevated the rest of the team so damn much. Like he's clutching up against John Morant and Memphis um, was that was just impressive. Like on both ends of the floor, like he's hitting tough shots. He's you know he's he's making guys look foolish when he's dribbling by them, and he's making big defensive plays. And Point Franz looked pretty good. Like Point Paolo looked good. Point Franz looked good. So you've got options there with those guys. Like hand the ball to them and let them do their thing because they're the best decision makers behind only like faults. Maybe that's about it. Like that's why and we'll talk about it in a bit, but like, it almost doesn't matter who's the point guard. Like if Fultz isn't available, it almost doesn't matter who the point guard is. As long as Paolo and Franz are kind of running the show and yeah, they'll make mistakes, but more likely than not, like they're going to make the right decision and they're going to grow into those type of roles. But um, I mean, there's Franz was so good in preseason and Eurobasket that people think some like national folks think he might be an all-star this upcoming season, which I'm not even that like, op, like I'm not even that high. <laughs> like uh, the magic has to be good for him to, to real or, or even like decent for Franz to really even be considered for that. But the fact that he's getting that much respect and that much of a shout from the national folks finally goes to, to show that, you know, this guy's going to be really good. Like, he really might. He, he's a wonder kid right now. He is a wonder kid right now. And and don't forget to send in the screenshot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the giveaway. But um, I mean, I've I, I've been praising this kid for two months now. So I, I I'll yield the floor to you if you got any other stuff you want to mention about Franz. But this guy's amazing. I I just don't know how much more there is to add, and I can't wait to see him in meaningful games stateside. Um, yeah. So. Uh, let's talk one of our two-way guys. So Kevon Harris is going to be a solid two-way signing for us. Like the, pretty, I mean, he's 25 years old, but I mean, he's, he's going to handle that, that wing position pretty well in situations where, you know, if we do rack up another injury or two, like he'll, he'll be fine to get rotation minutes. Like, and that's kind of what you want from your two-way guy. If you feel like you're not going super young and developmental, like you want your two-way guy to be kind of like in his mid twenties and that can be good on on both ends of the floor and i i like him more than admiral schofield as a player right now and i'm glad we stole him from what was it minnesota system um you know I, and yeah he's he's solid that's all i got to say about kivon i don't know if you got any any thoughts on that the only other thought i have is does it not look strikingly i mean not the same game but does it not look strikingly like James Ennis out there? If you catch a, a side glance, um, because uh, yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's some type of me, me, like yeah, it's some type of mesh between James Ennis and Shelvin Mack for me <laughs> when I when I watch it when I watch him play. Yeah, and he's a better player than than Shelvin Mack at least from his Magic tenure for sure. But um, you know, it's yeah. I, I got to say this now because it, it, it was bothering me early in, in those first few games. It hasn't now of late because we've played a lot better, but um, everybody that has like the braided hair, it's throwing me off because one, they all kind of look alike uh, with the, uh, with their hairstyles from like those far distant camera angles. Like obviously if you know, I can tell who what a seven foot Mo Bamba looks like, but like for the guys that are between like six ten and like six four, like it's kind of tough sometimes from from the camera angles and whatnot. But also, I would think the braid the braided hair would mess up mess with some of these guys' jumpers, and it might 
it might end up happening, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was, I'm worried a little bit for an Alfred Payton situation, but um, it's, we'll see how it plays out. That that's, I, I won't, I won't even let you comment on that, but that's kind of an observation. Um, and then the only other thing I had for being, just being impressed, kind of putting it all together, but you know, that Wendell Paolo Franz trio on the floor yeah. together is just outstanding. Like pace, space, pass, like that run it through those three and you're going to get it. And the chemistry they have right now, considering, I mean, all three of them have only played together for less than a month. And the fact that they're, I mean, it's not even less than a month. It's a few weeks, it's three weeks, basically that they've played together. And the fact that it's coming together so well and on both ends of the floor with those, with that trio, like, you know, the six man show tweeted out, like, that's your starting, you know, trio for the next decade. And I mean, it, it's tough to disagree. I mean, those, those guys are all young and, you know, the oldest guy, the oldest guy, of the three is Wendell Carter Jr. still 23 years old. I think he just turned 24, but like, that's, that's some good stuff from those three. I don't know if you have any other thoughts or do you have anything else that impressed you that I didn't list? Um, just to cap on that point, it, it's been nice to see not only the chemistry developing between those three, but also um, there's actually finally been some uh, noticeable set plays and kind of pet actions to incorporate those three, including and interestingly, getting Wendell some touches like coming off pin downs and operating in the elbow, not just like, you know, high pick and roll or, or horn set kind of action. So um, once they get comfortable and, you know, it'll happen over time, obviously there's good early returns, but once they get comfortable, there's so many ways that they can beat team. You know, it's like pick your poison is what it's going to end up being. And that'll be real exciting to see. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, anything else? Should I go to the uh, unimpressed list, which is thankfully yeah. shorter? Yeah, let's talk about who disappointed us now. So some of these, I mean, most of this we've kind of talked about, but I mean, Mo Bamba, I think should lose minutes to Moritz and even Bo Bo, Bo if you're trying, if you're thinking about putting Bamba power forward, like Mo, like the shots still fairly there but like he's just so inconsistent like he he can't defend the paint like it's it's the same stuff basically where it's like you look at the blocks you look at the three-point shooting but like it just it it hasn't come together yet and you know he's gonna it, there's other fans around the nba that want him on their roster and i'm like okay cool get just get, you know give me like a, a protected first or something or i i don't know like i like with Bamba, he's I basically view him as a trade piece right now. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at. You know, maybe things will click more when the games actually count for him. Uh, but it's I had I, I didn't see anything more than what I saw at the end of last season. And the end of last season was progress, but it's not it's not enough to give him minutes over those other two guys I mentioned. Thoughts? Yeah, I I agree there. Um uh yeah, you're you're looking for more progress than has been displayed again, uh, only on a handful of preseason games, but still uh, disappointing. Um, we touched on it as well with uh, Chuma's kind of inconsistent offense, um, just the shooting. It, it just comes down to shooting with Chuma and. You know, some games were better than others, but I mean, there there were some really bad shooting performances. I I think, I think he shot under twenty five percent from three. I think uh, is what I what I saw, but uh, in the preseason, and um, it's it's 
it's concerning because his shot form's not good. <laughs> and I, I said it before, like, I don't care what your shot form looks like if it's going down, but it's, it's not going down for him in a shot form. It didn't look as bad as some of the off season videos of it, but it's still not good. And if Caleb Houston's a better player on both ends, then he's going to get Chuma's minutes. And that's where I'm at with that. I don't know. It's I, I want Chuma to be so good. And it, it just comes down to him knocking shots down. Cause I mean, he's, He's not like a defensive liability. I think his, I mean, I think his defending could be better, but um, you know, he can still move the ball. Well, like he's not like a black hole. So, um, but Caleb can do all that or, and maybe even more better. That's, that's the, the, the scary thing for Tuma from a minutes perspective, your thoughts. Yeah. And again, uh, I think we talked about a couple of years ago, like, the the best role for Chuma seems to be being the like fifth starter glue guy on a team where he can pick up the slack. Yeah, um, I think there's a there again there's some uh, duplication of skill set or overlapping of skill set where maybe he's starting to fall behind some of the other uh, higher talent, higher ceiling guys that we've accumulated. Um, and if you're not going to hit the shot consistently for whatever reason, then the value that you bring to the floor drops immensely. So um, very frustrating again for a guy who uh, bought a lot of NBA top shot rookie debuts of Chumo <laughs> Kiki or OKK. Um, that again, the, we're, we're, you're looking for that progression where it's been more stagnant. Yeah, I got a few of those top shot Chuma rookies. So you're we you know we're we're in the same boat with that. But um yeah, it's you know, maybe maybe it'll come together more in the regular season. Um, but it's getting to the point now where like if if trade talks come about and we need to like package a few guys, like Chuma's kind of in there now. You kind of have to include him now. He's he's not as uh as necessary as he was, say like a year ago. And um you know, hopefully Chuma turns it around, but, uh, talk Suggs real quick. Like I kind of already mentioned it with the injury, but like he, he still can't shoot. Like he was hitting some mid range stuff, but like the three point shots, not dropping. And that's a problem because I don't think he's a good point guard. His dribble is still not good. Like you've, you've been one of the guys, Penny that points out, like his dribble is not good for a guy that's supposed to be point guard quality in the NBA. And then, I know my viewpoint with him was he was best. He, he's his best way to succeed in the NBA is as a Brandon Roy type of guy where he's mostly, you know, I, I don't want to say spot up shooter guy, but he, he's a guy that you want him to, to get shots up and be a three point shooter. And if he can't hit threes, that's a problem. And, you know, obviously your best availability or sorry, your best ability is availability, but, um, you know, with J- with Jalen, it's it's a concern, and you know, I I there's I've seen Magic fans that kind of want to trade him now, and it's like that's not happening because his trade value is in the tank at the moment, and you know, the decision the the time to trade to trade him if you're going to trade him was in the off season when Donovan Mitchell was sitting out there, and obviously it does it's not on the timeline or schedule that Weltham have, but you know. I, that's, you know, that was just my thought was, I think we should have went after Donovan Mitchell. I mean, Zach Lowe even said he was surprised the magic weren't a sneaky Donovan Mitchell team, but um, yeah. I mean, what's your concern level for Suggs? Even, 
even though he's healthy again, like if that shot's not dropping, he's nowhere near a fifth pick of value to us. Yeah, the concern level is high. I don't think it's necessarily fair to judge based on how the preseason went when you're talking, you know, severely limited minutes to judge. And then again, kind of derailed stop start with injury, minor injury, moderate injury, whatever it ends up being. Um, But the concern is there because for him to be effective and to blend with the other guys that we have on the roster, he's got to do more offensively. You can point to all of the, uh, you know, advanced defensive metrics that, that paint him in a, a good light, but we have enough, uh, we have enough defense right now. We need more offense. We need consistent offense. Um, and he's going to have an opportunity. I think every opportunity to step up and kind of claim that role in whatever capacity he's capable, but uh, it's, it's going to come down to shooting and ball handling. Um, you know, you handle to create opportunities to score and then whatever catch and shoot opportunities come from other people facilitating. And we'll have to judge that based on the numbers. But right now the, the hopes are not necessarily high, but it's early, right? Yeah. And with Suggs, I mean, he's kind of behind, on schedule kind of like Chuma was all of last season, like with Suggs, he gets hurt or, you know, he has the surgery in the off season, can't play summer league, misses a lot of time there, misses training camp time um, and preseason time because of this latest injury a little bit. Like I'm glad that he's healthy and available, but he's still kind of got to catch up and it's going to, it's going to be a while for him to really ramp up um, both physically and rhythm wise. Um, at least that's historically how that happens with magic players that, that run into injury issues that cut away training camp time. But, um, yeah, I've got two other things here. So we have, we had, we still have a point guard problem with faults out. Um, our offense just runs into consistency problems without Markel, like Cole Suggs, RJ, they won't be as good on the ball as even a Franz or a Paolo in my eyes. And, you know, uh, we, those first few games on the road, we were so terrible starting off games. Um, we were getting blown out in first quarters. And a lot of that's because we don't have like anyone nearly as capable of being on point guard duty as Markel Fultz. And um, it got better, thankfully, within the two home games, but um, it's, our struggles this season will come with faults not on the floor, be it whether it's with this toe injury that he's got right now, or even when he's back, even when he goes to the bench, like, because we don't have a real true backup point guard that can distribute and kind of be the floor general, like Cole and RJ, they're, they're, they're okay, but there's a, just a massive drop off and you can't just be okay at the point guard position. Um, if you want to have success in the league and yeah, that's where I'm at with that, of uh, your point guard thought, Penny. Yeah. I, again, national media continues to sleep on the importance of Markel to this team, um, and, and what he's accomplished when he's been healthy in Orlando. Um, I think the biggest thing to kind of mitigate that while he's out is I, we're going to need Cole to get off to another hot start 
Um, whether he's the official backup point guard starting to whatever he ends up being. Yeah. Um, I think that can cover some of the, uh, you know, cover some of the deficiencies if he's going to get off to a, a hot start, kind of like he did last year that didn't necessarily sustain. But uh, in this case, there's more reinforcements on the way. So hopefully he can get hot early. And then one, the last thing I have listed for unimpressive things in the preseason is we found out officially that the bell is back for another season under the Jamal Mosley's uh, reign and, and sweeping the NBA with Mike Brown <laughs> um, Sacramento too. There's it's an epidemic. Everywhere. Yeah. No, but the funny thing about that is Mike Brown was like, yeah, one of the assistants like came up and he's like, Hey, you know, Sacramento has got this history with bells, you know, maybe we should do this. And it's true. I mean, the Kings have the cowbell history for decades now. So I'm not even mad at it because I don't like the bell. So if if other teams take it, whatever, that's fine. But uh, it's a little funny that like he just either didn't know or just didn't uh, you know, admit that the magic were doing this. You know, that maybe I don't know. That... Can we talk very, very briefly just about human psychology and what motivates you personally uh, in your professional <laughs> life? Because there's, sure. just, there's just not a lot of. Uh, payoff for me i i do something good you ring a bell it was it's like a reverse pavlov situation um cater some additional chick-fil-a nuggets do something nice in the locker room write a note tape it to my locker uh what what does ringing a bell do for you would you Nothing. want a bell rung what's that would you want a bell rung no um no, I, I wouldn't. The only time I want a bell to be rung is when my dog's asking to be let out of the house. That's that's it all just, I care about. It just seems very juvenile. And I don't quite understand it, but I guess we have kids on the team. So and he didn't. Uh, and my dog doesn't like ringing the bell to go outside. He'll he'd rather just look at me or or or, or, or find some other way to signal to signal like I want to go out back in the backyard. So um, he doesn't like the bells. I don't like the bells. You don't like the bells. Bells, especially cowbells, uh, can give you a headache after a while. That's the only thing they're good for is headaches. But um, any other stuff that I didn't list for uh, stuff that un was unimpressive to you in the preseason, Benny? I, I can't think of anything. The, I, are you impressed? This real quick. Yep. Are you impressed with the uh, Amway Center display, home court, uh, awning, everything? How does Amway look to you this year? Yeah, you pointed that out on Twitter. Um, so yeah, the um, I mean, stuff for like even like the section numbers that are painted have been changed. Um, the little court, slight tweaks, right? Not wholesale yeah. changes this year, but aesthetically pleasing, I think. They look good. Um, the floor apparently is the same floor. It's just they. I don't think it's wax, but basically they, they treated it like they usually treat it um, every season and it just turned out lighter, but apparently that it won't stay as light as the season progresses. It'll kind of go back to more of like a darker color, but even if it's that light, it's fine. It doesn't bother me. Um, the Bill Russell number six dedication, it's not in the, uh, on, on the actual court, really. It's just, it's near the scores table like on the, on, on that piece of the court, like before, you know, where guys would go to check in. So that's interesting because I thought they were actually going to make everybody put it on the actual, you know, floor, for, you know, uh, inside the uh, out of bounds lines. And that's not the case for the magic anyway. So that's interesting. Um, I think the full, I think it, it looks good. Um, 
it might, I'd have to see it in person really to, to judge it. Cause it always looks a little different on TV compared to in person, but it sounds like you like it. I have no complaints. Um, all right, Penny, you ready to get into predictions? Let's do it. So factoring in injuries, what starting five do you want to see come opening night? And then what starting five are you expecting? Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe not. So, you know, this is now Suggs is back. So that gives us then Harris, Isaac, and Fultz that are out. Those are the three guys out. Um, what's your starting five that you're expecting? And what's your starting five that you want to see opening night, Benny? Uh, well, let's let's confer together. Mm-hmm. The front court is set, right? No debate there. Wendell, Paolo, Franz? Wendell, Paolo, Franz. So you wouldn't want to see Franz at the two to slide in somebody in there? Or does it not matter at that point? Or we're just talking positionless at this point. Yeah, I think we're talking positionless, but I think that those are the three best players in the three best positions for right now. Um, Would you say that Cole by default then is in that starting five because Fultz is out? I would say by default. So to I'm going to answer what, what I yeah. think will happen and what I want to happen based on who's available. I think Cole slots in as, you know, point guard. Yep, makes sense. So then who's the fifth? And then here's where we'll differ. I'm going to go right down the middle and give you your your Terrence Ross that you don't want to (laughs) hear. No, we're going to talk about him now. I knew we were going to talk about him. So let's so this is who you you think we're going to see, who you want to see. Does that differ then out of these the healthy guys? I I mean, I don't think that you're going to plug in like a rookie there. I don't feel the same way about RJ Hampton <laughs> that you do. Yeah. So to me, again, based on availability, uh, expected and, and actual and, and want all kind of flow together. And we'll, we'll plug Terrence Ross in at the two. Yeah, I mean, T. Ross started most of the preseason games, I think, or I think it was three of the five. I think he started. I, I could be wrong, but um. Yeah, I think it's going to be opening night in Detroit. It's going to be Wendell, Paolo, Franz, Ross, and Cole. I think that's the five that they're going to start. I think, not yeah, I I think and prefer RJ Hampton to start at the two and just have Ross come off the bench. But the problem is, is we have a ball handling problem, and so by default, you kind of have to just play Cole as the starting point guard, and then by default, because Fultz is out and we don't have. Really, we want to have another point guard. Um, RJ Hampton has to be the backup point guard. So I begrudgingly have to go with Ross at shooting guard. But can we talk about his preseason? Because I think some stuff is getting overrated a little bit. Like in the Memphis game, that was probably his best game he had in general on both ends of the court in like two years. Um, Minus maybe the Madison Square Garden, like 30 plus point game that he had last season. But like he had... He was hustling. He was. He had a, a nice block in that Memphis win that we had. Um, Are we assuming that he's healthier? I mean, it, he's he looks about. He looked healthy last season, like he did. Like I, if you're getting up for the dunks, he was getting up to. Like I, I you know, I think he was healthy last season. He just he just didn't give a damn, or he was in a huge ass slump, or a combination of both. Like I don't think health was an issue. Um, maybe in his mind, he's using it as an excuse. Like I know he, he had to get shots for his back, but who's to say he didn't have to do that again this off season. So, um, and he hasn't shared that as far as I know what off season stuff he did, or if it changed from what he did the year before, but, 
Um, I mean, look, he shot the ball pretty well. He did. I don't know if that's going to carry over to the regular season when guys are trying to defend a little bit better, but um, Ross is going to get more looks as a starter at the moment, just because there's going to be a lot of attention on Franz and Paolo. And then, you know, if, if Wendell's getting his and Cole's semi-consistent with his jumper, like that's going to leave Ross open and we'll see what he does. If he knocks him down, he's going to stay in that starting five for a bit. Um, or we're going to get offered a really nice trade uh, offer. But um, yeah, that's where I'm at with Ross right now. Like I, I, like he wanted to get traded last season and last summer. And then he, it, it like dawned on him that he was playing so bad that he was basically untradeable at the time. Um, and so it's going to be one of those where is he going to, is he trying to play really well? Cause he wants to stay in Orlando or is he going to figure out that he needs to play really well to get traded out of here? And he maybe either way, it doesn't matter what he thinks is what Weldham wants. And look, we're short on veterans. I don't think he's a good veteran, um, but the guys seem to like him. And that's all that matters in the end. I'm just some guy on a mic. So it's, you know, it doesn't really matter what I think, but um, we're short on vets. Like he, he and Gary Harris are the two oldest guys on the team. And Ross is 31 and Gary Harris is 27. And um, we need vets. And if the team likes him and he's good for the locker room, which I'm, I don't think he is, but um, you know, I just think he's like another guy. Like he should be a guy just contributing on a, on a championship type team, not on this team, but you know, it's, we'll see how it plays out, but I don't know what's your Ross thoughts. Cause it, it's very complicated still at the moment. And look, he needs to actually hit shots when the games actually matter. Like the preseason stuff, like he had some good games. He had some good shooting performances. His defense for most of the preseason still wasn't that good. Like he played pretty well in that Memphis game, but the other games he played in, he was still a negative defensively. And that's going to be a problem. I think there's an opportunity for him to get cleaner looks this year than he has maybe for the entirety of his, of his magic tenure. Yeah. Um, you're not wrong. I think there's a legitimate opportunity there. Now, what does he still have left in the tank with coming off whatever back issue or anything else or motivation issue? And what is his desire to stay or go all probably uh, contributes into what he's capable of doing. Um, we, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about maybe him not being the best fit for this role, uh, on this team. You, you think he's going to get packaged up at some point. I, I'm not sure yet. Uh, overall, I, I rate Gary Harris significantly higher than I do Terrence Ross. Oh yeah, for Um, sure. Oh yeah. And yeah, I mean, it, Again, there's not a lot. You're, you're going to get maybe a highlight dunk once in a while, right? Which is uh, a, an emotional boost and two points. But outside of that, there's not a lot that you're getting from from Terrence other than the three ball. So is he going to is he going to hit shots or is he not going to hit shots? And that really is what determines his value on the floor. Yeah, we'll we'll find out. Um, all right. So, what is our best lineup when dudes are healthy? It doesn't have to be a starting lineup. What's your best five in in your eyes? You know, it could be you know starting end of game situation, whatever. I basically have two lineups, and four of the five players in each of these lineups are the same. It's Wendell, Paolo, Franz, and Fultz. The yes. fifth 
my ideal lineup is Gary Harris is starting at shooting guard. That's, that's my ideal lineup. Gary, very, very valuable on the corner threes. And then defensively, he's great. He's solid. And he's the veteran presence you kind of need to kind of gel and, and, and kind of mesh these, these younger guys together in my mind. But the Southern lineup, it does intrigue me if he's ever freaking healthy and on the floor. But having a Wendell, Paolo, Jonathan Isaac, Franz Wagner at the two, and Markel Foltz start, you know, five could be outstanding if Isaac is healthy and shooting threes fairly okay, because that is like a defensive behemoth at that point with some very interesting, like flexible offensive opportunity. Now with Isaac, like that, the the footage I saw from the practice like a couple of days ago that I think Kobe price released it, or maybe it was Cody Taylor. I can't remember, but um, where Isaac's shooting threes and his knees are so knee locked. Like I thought they were going to collapse inward. Like I was scared watching him shoot threes. So I don't know why he's shooting like that. I, he, he picked that up for recently. Cause I don't recall him shooting like that in the past, but um, that, that lineup is interesting though. If Isaac is actually healthy and contributing and contributing at a level somewhere between where he was January 1st, 2020 and in the bubble where he was balling out offensively. I don't know. What are, what's your uh, ideal lineup? Again, it makes for a really crappy show because same. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Right. The, the start, like a starting five uh, with, with Gary Harris and Markel, I think is the best five man unit that we have for extended minutes. I think if you're talking about a closing lineup, uh, you know, slotting uh, Franz and Paolo down one and, and bringing J.I. in at, we're assuming, you know, I don't know, what, 80% of his skill set. That is probably your best closing lineup. Uh, again, assuming that Franz and uh, Paolo and even Wendell, count that too, are uh, threats from the outside. This kind of popped in my head, but what would be our five if we need to hit a three pointer? Well, let's let's kind of think this through. So Markel still stays on the floor. I really? That, right? Oh, ah, I, I mean, you talking about how how much time's left? Are we? Are let's we call. Running let's a say play? there's like four point six seconds left, and you're worried that you'll get intentionally fouled if you're down three and you need to tie the game, and the opposing team's like intentionally foul. So, well. Nah, that's a bad example because then they're going to intentionally foul anyway. But I'm leaving Markel on the floor, and at worst, he's the inbounder. I'll say that. Okay, that's fair. Although I would say you're better off having a tall guy do it. But um, yeah, I guess that's yeah. Damn, that's fair. Okay, because I was thinking then you'd have Cole on the floor, even though he's an inconsistent three point shooter. He's not scared of the moment, and he's he's hit threes in the past. He's hit clutch threes in the past. So then he's got to be on the floor. You're right there. I mean, you got to put Franz out there. He's capable. I don't know if Paolo is a good enough three-point shooter to do that. Um, do you put Wendell or or Bamba, or can you put both? Like, that's – damn, that's interesting. Um, Mo Wagner could hit a three, too, potentially. Um, Gary Harris, a great Gary Harris shooter, has to be in there. I don't know that I'd put him on the floor at the end of the game. Cause he can't create it himself. So then what you put Ross out there. I think Ross has to be out there. So what Cole Ross Franz 
Well, I said Cole, you said Fultz, so whatever. But um, so what? That leaves a couple more. Um, Caleb Houston, you throw Caleb Houston in there? For me, not yet. I put Wendell out there, better screen setter than Mo Bamba to hopefully get someone free. Don't mind him popping out if his guy leaves to chase. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, it's got to be Wendell. Yeah, because Bamba can't set screens worth dick. Um, Yeah, it's um, so then, I mean, Hampton can hit a three. That's for damn sure. Um, I don't know if he could dribble his way into a three well, but we know spot up wise, he's an awesome catch and shoot three guy. Oh well. Anyway, I, that that here's, kind of that okay. falls, but yeah. Let's we're we're down by two. Mm-hmm. Who gets the shot? We're down by three. Who gets the shot right now? I think if we're down two, I think you got to go Franz. If we're down, if we're down three, can you run a guy off a screen and get Ross open? Like that's assuming Ross, is, Ross finds Ross his form. Still your guy down three. If I need a three, I mean, because what? If you give Cole the ball, he's just going to get fouled immediately, right? I, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, all right, let's assume. Th- 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 so, I hate that we're still here where Terrence Ross is, and I I don't disagree. I think it's your run. Like first option is going to be Terrence Ross. Still, it's got to be Cole. Then ball. if I need a three, because Cole has a better clutch track record than Ross. That's where I'm at. Cause if you think right. about it, how many clutch shots has Ross ever hit with the magic one, maybe if that like all his clutch shots are like, uh, in it's my not opinion, late in the game, it's not late in the it's game. It's like taking the deficit from six to three. Yeah. But I never mean, three to tie. Yeah. He's never, he's never hit a game winner for sure. I know that he's never, I don't think even tied a game. Like, so I'm going to go with Cole then for the three. So that's where I'm at with that. Um, all right, that divulged. Okay, we're getting into actual predictions now. Okay, here we go. Will Paolo Bancaro win rookie of the year? Penny? I wanted to say no. I was thinking about this. I wanted to say no, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with yes. Okay. Um, who do you think is then gonna f- be the toughest competition? Then let's go with that for Paolo. That's a good question. Because I said no. I, I don't think Paolo's going to win Rookie of the Year, although I'm very proud. I'll very happily proudly be wrong about that. Like, But I think Keegan Murray is going to win Rookie of the Year because he's good enough and the Kings will make the play-in, is my, is my thought. And we saw last season Scotty Barnes won Rookie of the Year because he was you know really good on that Raptors team that – but they win like 46 games and they were like the four seed or something like that. Like, um, or maybe not that high, but they, they, they were in the, they were a playoff team. Right. So, um, so you're putting the, you're giving the team success component a little bit of an edge. It factored in last season, I feel like. Um, so I don't see why it wouldn't this year. Plus Keegan Murray was MVP in summer league and he's looked really good in preseason. Now the issue is, is he going to actually get enough minutes and touches for Sacramento and maybe not out of the gate, but if he's shooting efficiently, and again, if Sacramento's winning games, like I, some voters are going to value that. And there's also kind of this stigma sometimes that some voters don't always, some voters want to find a way to not give the number one pick rookie of the year. It's certainly not a slam dunk. And I, I looked this up prior to, to taping. There's only been 21 rookie of the year winners that were the first overall pick. Out of how many? Since, well, I don't know. Since, since like the 1950s? Like 50s, 60s. Like, like oh, that far. The, wow. The track okay. record of the award. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. But... And I, I was inclined to say no based on that, but I, I've changed my mind and I'm going to say yes. Cause I, I, I feel more confident about Paolo after the preseason, but also uh, Chet's out of the picture. I don't think anything's happening in Houston this year. Um, then you start going a little further down the draft board and I'm not sure what kind of, uh, I'm just not sure what kind of instant impact opportunity there will be elsewhere when we know for sure that Paolo's going to get kind of force fed. Yeah. I, I don't think like Ivy in Detroit's going to get enough touches. Um, I, the only other one that popped in my head and that I've seen elsewhere is Ben Matherin in uh, Indiana, but they have to, they have to get rid of guys like healed first for that to happen. Cause I mean, he's playing behind like Halliburton and Chris Duarte and stuff like that. So um, there's and even with, I, I don't know, man, even with uh, Rick Carlisle there, I still think there's a massive tank job coming. You think, or there isn't. I, uh, I think there will be in Indiana. See, I don't know because ownership has that track record where they don't like tanking. They never like tanking. And if they keep guys like Turner and healed, and even TJ McConnell, who's in his thirties, you know, but he's a steel machine and he's a glue guy like that. TJ McConnell missed like the majority of last season with injury. Yeah. I think it was. And like, people don't talk about that with the Pacers being bad because of that. Like people focus on the Sabonis trade and you know, Halliburton's amazing. Halliburton might lead the league and assist this season. Um, but he, it's this indie team. They've got a good coach. They've got good players. Like, are they a playoff team? No. Could they maybe get into play-in? Yeah, I, I really think they can. If so, I don't. I think a big reason why they also haven't done that Lakers trade for Westbrook and what or whatever, like, is they actually want to see how they look the first couple of weeks of the season. I really do. You, I, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I know we'll get further into we'll get to it. But yeah. yeah, but do you do you rate Indiana above Orlando as of today? That's no. Tough. No, I'm going to still say no, just because I think Miles Turner's overrated um, and they don't really have like strong front court presence. Um, And that's that that's going to hold that team back. Like they have really good wings and guards, but like it's you can only go so far with that. Um, But I'm still going to rate the magic ahead of them, even though, like I said, Indiana could have a shot to get in the play in if they keep things as they are right now. But um, no, I, I'm kind of with you. I think they will tank, but the track record isn't there where they tank. We'll talk about them right. more anyway, but anyway, yeah. so you say yes to Paolo being rookie of the year. I say, no, I think it's going to be Keegan Murray again. I'll be happy to be wrong. All right. Over under 0.5 all-stars for the magic this season. Penny, where are you going over under? No, it's, uh, a, it's a hard under for me, sadly, but next year, I think the times change. You know, I, I wrote down under, um, but looking at how I see the schedule painting out and how I do my my win-loss records and stuff, I'm actually going to change my mind and vote yes. I actually think we're going to get one in. I, Who's I'll, it going to be? I want to say, say it's Franz, but I actually think it's going to be Wendell if it happens. Like if, if the Magic are, you know, only five, seven games under 500, and the you know the the league pick and the the league picks one magic player to go. It's gonna I think be Wendell because he's gonna be averaging a double double. He's gonna be averaging a few assists. Like the points is the key with him. Does he take a back seat and let Paolo and Franz 
and others score more. I mean, we should include Cole in there because Cole still averaged like 16 and a half. I think it was. And he, and last season, the first few months he was averaging 20, but like Ken Wendell, he basically finished the year, what, 18 and 10. Like, can he do that for a full year? Even if it's like 17 and, and 11, like right. that, he might get in there. So I'm actually going to say, yes, I think there's going to be one magic all-star. So that's where I'm at with that. And I think it's going to be Wendell. Well, that's I could, hopeful. I could be, re- I could be really wrong, but yeah, I, I'm going with that. So, all right. Do we see a magic trade before the deadline? Like a meaningful trade, not like some BS, like second round pick for cash thing. Like, are, are we getting, are we trading like a player away? No. So I said, yes, I think it's going to be Ross and or Bamba. Like, I still think, yeah, a lot might, lot's, lot's going to depend on how we play, how, you know, the record, but you know, December 15th is when a lot of uh, players can be traded and, then it's also further down like January 15th, but um, we're more of kind of become available to be traded based off of transactions and signings and whatnot. But um, I'm going to say, yes, I think either, I think at least one of Ross or Bomba gets traded. Um, all right, Penny, who leads the magic in points per game scoring? So not total points. I want points per game scoring. Who is it, Penny? Yeah, again, I'm going to, I've changed my mind and I'm all in on the rook. So I, I think it's going to be Paolo. Uh, and I think we're going to, we're pushing every bit of 20 points a game. Yeah, this is tough, man. You could go, I mean, there's four candidates in my mind. It's Paolo, Franz, Cole, or Wendell. Like it's, it's genuinely four candidates, um, unless I'm missing another one, but um I don't think Gary Harris or Ross would give be up there. We both pick. Didn't we both pick Gary Harris to average Swing most the points last, last season? Year. Yeah. Hey man, he had, he thankfully had an awesome year, so it's okay. We were we were justified in that at least. But I thought Gary Harris was going to be Aaron Aflalo, and it didn't quite pan out. But um, you pick Paolo. I'm picking Franz. Um, this could be a situation where you have like three guys within like a half a point per game like separation from each other. Like that's how tight it could be. So um, I'm going to say Franz averages 19.1 and leads the team in scoring this season. Um, nice. So we'll see. Cause I mean, he averaged what 15 and a half. So we'll uh, we'll see from there, but all right. Who will be the team MVP Penny? Who's your magic MVP for the season? Now this is again, just like the, the real award. Are we talking MVP or or best player. There's a couple ways you can go with it. Last year, I think that my MVP last year was Wendell. Um, we decided it was Wendell last year. Yeah, I think we agreed last year. This year, again, uh, while Paolo might end up being the best player, yes, I, I think Franz is going to be the team MVP this year for me, and that's uh, partly because he's going to be able to impart a little bit of the rookie wall wisdom or whatever else to, to Palo to hopefully keep that going consistently. Um, and also just, again, we're, we're assuming uh, that he's going to showcase kind of the expanded game and the expanded role this year. Okay. I, he, I almost picked Franz as well, but I'm going Markel Fultz. I hope for his sake, I hope for his sake, it's Fultz. Because that means Markel's future will have been solidified if he's the MVP of this team this season. And because yeah. if it doesn't go well for him this season, he might not be back next season. Like that's that's where we're at. But 
those last dozen or so games that he played last season for the magic, like he was great. He made us so much better. It, it really makes a difference when you have a, a true floor general and point guard on the floor. And I think for the magic to have any type of success, it's going to be with Markel Fultz as a starting point guard. And that's where I'm at with that. I don't know if you got any other thoughts or should I move on to the next thing? Let's go to the next one. All right, Penny. Over under 27 and a half wins this season for the Magic. And if and if you can give me a, a win loss record or a win total, that that would help. But are you going over or under 27 and a half wins? Yeah, this again, this one to me seems easy. Uh, I think it's a hard over. Uh, I'm trying not to get too hyped up on small sample size preseason. I think we uh, especially once you, once you get the home games going, you feel really good. Uh, Memphis in particular really stirred excitement. Trying to bring it back down to, to be reasonable. This year, I'm going to go with 32 and 50. It's a 10-game improvement. Also in the history of the Magic franchise, there has yet to be a 32-win season. Um, so I think we'll do the uh, uh, scoregami, recordgami this year with 32 and 50, which I think is incremental progress. Um, there's, there's not going to be any reinforcements. I don't think there's going to be any reinforcements on the way. I think the team's going to be the team for this year. Um, going to show a little bit of internal improvement and then really figure out the direction of the team uh, in the summer. That's yeah, that's, that's very optimistic. That's very good. Um, it's kind of, I mean, look, we, we did a lot of tanking. Well, one, Mosley lost us a lot of games early to start last season. Like, that that was big. And then we started tanking hard, like, the last bit of the season. And, you know, ended up paying off for us because we got number one pick and we got Paolo. Um, it, it would be – yeah, I mean, I, I'm just going to say I'm going over. Um, I have us going 34 and 48. I'm surprised okay. I have us going 34 and 48. But – it's a 12 win improvement, which would be huge. I think I just looked it up. We've never gone 34 and 48. So I think this would also be a record origami type thing, which I didn't do that on purpose. So <laughs> I, I literally, just as you were saying, your scoregami, I actually looked it up, but um, a double digit win improvement in general is massive. Yeah. Um, you know, 12 win improvement would, it would be huge. And this is what we're doing. We'd be doing, you know, we'd be going from 22 wins to 34 but it doesn't seem ridiculous to me. Like I, again, I'm, I'm surprised because I do this every season. I go game by game. I look at everything and I just go win loss, win loss, win loss. And I ended up at 34 wins when I went through it all. And look, Fultz, he has to be playing sooner than later and thriving for this to happen. Like if he's, if he misses like a month and, or, and like, or he comes back and they kind of baby him along, like it's going to be, it's, it's not going to be as, it, it's not going to be as good as I think it's going to be, but you know, I have us going two and five in October, seven and eight in both of November and December, you know, so seven and eight, in November, seven and eight in December. So I have us at 16 and 21 flipping the calendar to new year's day. And if we're 16 and 21, like I, like my all-star prediction doesn't look that ridiculous because I think we would have a guy in the hunt and that at yeah. that point, but um, we should beat the over under of 27 and a half wins sometime in March. We, we should get our 28th win sometime in March is how I see it. Um, I have it as like the first week of March, but 
anytime in March, we should be beating that. Like if Mosley can't get to 28 wins or more this season, he's on a very hot seat entering next season in my eyes. Like this team should easily improve by at least six wins. Um, you know, ideally, hopefully we don't lead the league again for a third consecutive season in, in games lost due to injury or COVID. But even if that happens, like we should still get the 28 wins. Like that's, that's how talented and good this team is. And, you know, Paolo alone gives you at least like four wins by himself extra. Like, so um, I seeing Weltham scouting Victor Wimbanyama and Scoot Henderson in Vegas leaves me scared still that we may tank, but I genuinely think we're just going to play it out and try and win as much as possible. And look, we're not good enough to make the, you know, we're, we're not good enough to make like the playoffs right now in my eyes, but like, it's, it's one of those where um, we should naturally be 10 games better than last season or at minimum six games better than last season. Any, any thoughts? I mean, I'll say, I'll ask it now. Cause we are, we just said it, but do we make the play in? No, no, but any thoughts on what I said to piggyback off that before I get into kind of the, the play in looking at the play and stuff. Yeah, the, the biggest thing is playing meaningful games for a longer period of time. Right. Um, yeah. And I, oh, yeah. I think we'll have that this season, which is great. Good for development. Um, is there a win total that makes Jamal Mosley unsafe as in not coming back next year? Like, like flat out, he gets fired yeah. at some point this season or in the off season. Um, yeah. I mean, I doubt he'll get fired during this season. Like, but, uh, I mean, 19 wins, no, no major injuries, 22. I mean, 20, if we get 22 again, like I think, yeah. he, I, I don't think he sticks there. I, honestly, yeah. like, even if it's, if, if he hits the under, like if it's 27, I, I'd be very concerned um, for him to definitely be gone. I think if he hits 22 again, he's gone. You know, maybe if he hits 23, he kind of saves himself a tiny bit, but um, 22, I think he'd definitely be gone. If we did that again, like that, and you know, if we're not blatantly tanking like the whole season, like that, that that's how I see that. But um, you know, even, I'm optimistic even about are, it. Even if we are tanking, I don't know that you can get uh, that low tanking get that again, bad. And, then, and then assume that we get another top three, top five, top three pick. At that point, I don't know how you can entrust your development to him moving forward. Like so we I, can't. I think, yeah, I think there's still some some. Uh, I mean, he's certainly not on a hot seat right now, but I, I still think it's something to think about as we progress through the year. We not can't, safe, not a hundred percent. We have so much young, awesome talent right now. Like we can't tank again, man. Like the then we run into the Rob Hennigan, Jacques Vaughn situation again. Yeah, where we're 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 doing this a decade later, where we're then going to ask these guys, okay, you got to go win now. And it, that backfired big time. And that could easily happen now, but this seems different. It feels different. Like I, I like Mosley. I, I think Mosley's better than, than Vaughn for, for this job at the moment. Um, the guy seems very genuine. He seems to be improving and adapting as a head coach. And I mean, for his sake, I don't want us to be tanking because then that makes his job qualifications look like ass. So it's just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, l- let him try and go win. And then you can finally, because I hate that Weltham keep using the whole excuse like, oh, we still got to really properly evaluate guys. Well, okay, stop trying to tank this season and actually let it, let it all play out. You're going to find those weaknesses and those strengths real quick. And I, it's all BS. They already know what they are. 
um, based on the, the games that have happened, but yeah, um, we should hang around the play in chase going into March, but I, I think we'll finish, you know, 11th or 12th. If we, we finish at 34 wins. I mean, if it's the 32 that you say, it's probably going to be 12th, maybe 13th even, but you need to be a 500 team or better to sneak into the play in, in the East, uh, Charlotte last season was the 10th seed and they had a 43 and 39 record. The 11th seed last season was the Knicks at 37 and 45. So there's a six game gap there with that. Um, I appreciate low Vicini, the mismatch, the ringer pod, and just others predicting that we're going to sneak into the 10th seed for the play in it's national progress from a coverage perspective, but the East is just so damn deep. Um, I have these eight teams certainly making the playoffs or playing in. Let me know if you disagree, but I have eight, these eight teams definitely be in playoff or play in teams. I have Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, Cleveland, Brooklyn, an overrated Toronto, an overrated Miami, and an overrated Atlanta. What do you think? I, I, yeah. I don't know about Atlanta. I'm not sold there. You don't think they'll be in the top 10? Like I, 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 I look, I said, I'm saying it now care. Miami, right. Philly, right. or yeah. sorry, Miami, Atlanta, and Toronto are all overrated by, by all the predictions I've seen so far, but all of them should make the top 10. But yeah, I cause look Atlanta, but there's, they've got so much talent or they like, they're, I think they're good enough. Even if they got to fire Nate McMillan halfway through the season, like they're good enough to be a top 10 team as long assuming Trey young and DeJounte Murray are, are healthy. Now, Trey Young's a very flawed player, and I don't think they'll ever win a championship with him being a top two option, but they're good enough to be a top 10 team in the East. But, you know, they've still got John Collins hanging out. I don't know how he hasn't been traded yet, but he hasn't been traded yet. And I, you know, they're going to rely on the on some young guys to really step up. Like Okongu is going to have to have a pretty good season if they really want to be one of those top six teams. So, but you're down on Atlanta. I, I I think they're closer to 10 than they are to six. I'll say that. Because of those eight, the one I was actually most in doubt actually might be Toronto because to, the whole house can come down with it. Like Nick Nurse is an awesome coach, but like, you know, Siakam, Fred Van Vliet's yeah. been injured off and on a whole bunch. Like OG Ananobi, they're expecting him to make a, a big, another leap. And like, it could go bad for them. Like I know they got Scotty Barnes, but what if he doesn't really improve much compared to last season? Like I, that's the thing. So, um, but I think those eight are definitely in the top 10, which for, in my eyes, then that leaves two spots for Chicago, the Knicks, the wizards, Charlotte, Indiana, Detroit, and us to fight for it's, it's a, it's seven teams in a dog fight for, for two spots. Um, I'm, I'm immediately eliminating Washington and Charlotte. Oh boy. Um, uh, cause I, I, I'll give you my picks and then you can tell me I'm wrong, but I, (laughs) I just can't see, look, the, if Thibodeau doesn't get to the play in, he's gone in New York. So I, I have the Knicks in into the play in this year. Um, and then, I don't want it to happen because of the draft capital, but I, I have Chicago there too. Yeah. I, I think Chicago is definitely going to get in. Like we have that bulls pick top four protected next summer. We want them to not do well this season. I don't think, I don't think they're going to be that bad. Even like, 
I know Lonzo Ball like can't walk upstairs, and I know that like Zach Levine is coming off another surgery, but I mean he's back and seems fairly healthy. Um, Demar Derozan's still really damn good. Vooch is still really good. I mean he he's looked good in preseason apparently. I don't trust Billy Donovan. I could easily see Billy Donovan getting fired midway through the season, but I I just Chicago's got too much talent. Like Alex Caruso's back. Um, like Ayo Desunmo and uh, Goran Dragic can hold down the point guard position at the moment. Even Kobe White a little bit. Like Patrick Williams is healthy and another you know is another year better. Assuming like Chicago's too good to not be a top ten team. Um, now I hope that they finish ninth or tenth so that you know their pick going into the lottery is decent um but obviously we don't want them to jump up that's the thing um if they jump up to the top four we don't get the pick this uh, this coming summer but i'd like to be in a situation where we take the magic's pick our pick and combine that with chicago's pick and if you can move up to say i don't know sixth or seventh it's a pretty deep draft and you can do some stuff there um but yeah so i think you're wrong on you said the Knicks and who was the other team? You said Chicago. Right? So, yeah, you're, yeah. I, you're right on Chicago. I think you're wrong on the Knicks. Um, I, you know, I, I, again, I, I don't think the Magic can, can jump into that ninth or tenth spot. But um, I'm going with Chicago and the Wizards who make, the, who make, who make it in. Um, Very interesting. Which leaves you're, a lot of pissed off Knicks fans. I'm high on Porzingis. I'm high on Bradley Beal. I'm high on... Guys like Rui Hachimura, um, and then they still got Kyle Kuzma, who's who, who does who does really well. Um, I like Wes Unsell Jr. as a head coach. I think he's going to be really good for the Wizards. Um, and I just I I think the Wizards also are going to get some good karma from those cool uh, cherry blossom jerseys that they got. Um, yep. And. I, I think they're going to make it, man. Like Porzingis, he looked good in, in, uh, in FIBA play. Like, obviously, the health thing is always going to be an issue, but I, 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 you can't get hurt every freaking single season unless you're like Gordon Hayward, maybe. I don't know. But, like, it's uh, – Porzingis tell, is due, tell, like, a good run. to uh, Jonathan Isaac. Well, that's true. That's true, I guess, too, I guess. But, um, I don't know. I think it's going to go right for Porzingis, and I, go, I think – the Wizards are going to grab that 10th spot. And I think Knicks fans are going to end up being pissed off and Thibodeau is going to get fired because the Knicks are going to finish 11th again out of the, out of the playoff picture. So out of the playing picture. Um, and then we still have to hold off Detroit who thinks they will be this season's version of Cleveland. Maybe just like the magic think they're going to be this season's version of Cleveland. I don't know, but like Detroit, they may, you know, they got, Boyan Bogdanovich in who I know Bog, you know Boyan's on the decline, but he's he's a good vet addition for them. Um, and you know we're we're assuming Charlotte's going to be bad. I mean they've got DUI problems. I think with you know Book Knights now had had that issue, and Steve Clifford's just walked into just a really bad situation. Like Miles Bridges is rightfully not on that team, and uh, yeah they. They're good. Charlotte's going to be bad. Charlotte might have the worst record in the East by, by, by the end of the season. Like they might decide to go full tank. And then I said it before. I, I don't know. If, I'm not sure that Indy's going to be tanking yet. I really don't like it's, it's being laid out like that, but 
it wasn't as obvious as it was with Utah. Like it's, it's not obvious with Indiana, like Indiana still might try and give it a go. And if they do, like they might get in and Washington won't. So, um, yeah, that's, that's all I got, Penny. You got any final thoughts on that or anything else that we've mentioned? I'm just excited to get the year going. So yeah, we're, we're in Detroit Wednesday in Atlanta Friday and host the Celtics Saturday. Um, I have us going one and two. If we come out of this week better than one and two, that's going to perk my ears up and open my eyes a bit and be like, okay, that's, that's good. That's, that's already better than, than where I had us going. Um, Penny, what do you, how do you think we're going to do this week? Uh, I don't like it this week, <laughs> but I'm still excited to watch it. No prediction or record. What are you thinking? Oh, and three then. Uh, I, I'm going to say one and two. I hope right, one and two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We appreciate you listening to another episode. Uh, hopefully I get to see a lot of, uh, giveaway submissions for, for yeah. the Franz Wagner magazine, but, uh, please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. It helps our podcast ranking a lot. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Wunderkin. <laughs> at Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, take care. Let's go magic.